welcome back to Word Up with Danny Katz. I am your host, Danny Katz. I am an author, journalist, and a quantum languaging coach and consultant. What that means is that I teach people how language programs consciousness, how language programs reality at large, and how to transform reality and evolve our consciousness with language. I've also been known to cultivate and share an opinion or two or 12 about culture and consciousness and how they are evolving, devolving, and being manipulated by the powers that were. Here at Word Up, we are devoted to fostering critical thinking while supporting you in becoming your most authentic, empowered, liberated, realized, amazing version of yourself. Our every show aims to expand your consciousness, raise your frequency, sharpen your critical thinking skills, and make you giggle. (laughs) And think. Given the radical uptick in censorship over the past few years, combined with the complete co-opting slash decimation of my own personal industry, journalism, I started Word Up to have a free speech-friendly platform in which to engage exploratory, solutions-based conversations with visionaries, mystics, original thinkers, and rebel badasses who are helping to make the world more wonderful. The first half of my interviews run between 30 to 90 minutes and are always posted here for free public listening. The second halves are reserved for paid supporters on my Patreon and my Locals platforms, where for as little as $5 a month, you can access all of my second half conversations along with oodles of other bonus content and opportunities to drop in with me, to drop in with our High Vibe tribe, and lots of other awesome things. In addition to interviews, Word Up also features quantum languaging upgrades, planetary service announcements, and propaganda analysis, which I call Spot the Propaganda. Thank you so much for tuning in and for sharing your sacred attention with me and our high vibe tribe of change makers. Be sure to click that subscribe button so you can stay abreast of our every episode. Thank you for also clicking the like button, for sharing far and wide, and for leaving some kind words as a review as you are authentically inspired. As well, if you are gleaning any value whatsoever from these shows, consider supporting me on Locals and or Patreon. And as you are wanting to learn more about my quantum languaging coaching and consulting services or nab copies of my books, find me on dannycats.com as well as on quantumlanguaging.com. Okay, I think that's it for our housekeeping. Buckle up and prepare to enjoy this episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. love the symbol behind your uh behind you that's the symbol that was on my book that i wrote really yeah it was actually created originally by uh christopher hills you know who he is no who is he he was the uh the original spirulina guy they owned uh life force and all of that and he wrote all those books on super sin sonics and all of that that was the symbol that he created for uh for his use in all of those books. 
I love that. It's on my books as well. I hand drew this one, um, which was like a, a weird kind of meditative labor. Of wow. Love. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I was going to show you, uh, see, where would that be? Um, oh, never mind. I'm not screen sharing anyway, so never mind. I can give you screen share. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, is it working now? I think so. Yes. Um, so yeah, let me, uh, I'll just show you real fast here. Um, uh, I think it would probably be here. Yeah, there's my book. See it? I love that. We have the same, we, we also have the same color theme. Uh, the black, white, and red. <laughs> uh, okay. Right so, so let me just. That was well, doing because we're both sharing transformational technology, so it would make sense. That yeah. We're same yeah. wavelength. So uh, let's see. So I can uh, stop the share. All right, there we go. Cool. Okay. So I I went through all your sites. I'm yeah. up to speed on all the fun stuff. I'll record the introduction after because I do better at those without the pressure. <laughs> okay. So we can just jump in. Um, any places that you specifically don't want want us to go, don't want me to say anything about? No, not really. I'm pretty much an open book for 40 years here doing this. It's uh, really interesting that the world suddenly has finally caught up with us. And uh, thank God. It's a yeah. little irritating with all these these whippersnapper young kids coming in saying they invented it. And I was like, uh, no, uh, you know, and they come in and they're saying, oh, there's a psychedelic revolution. I've got uh, no, that was like 60 years ago, guys. Yeah. Did something, was there like a specific moment where you saw culture change and catch up to you or has it been like a gradual attrition thing? It was sort of a gradual thing over the past four or five years, I, I would guess. Basically, the last three years, uh, there's sound baths everywhere and people are starting to understand that sound is uh, very powerful. Not to mention the fact that the whole universe was created from it in the first place, but forget that for a minute. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, it's uh, we've been laughed at, criticized, told we were full of it. We've even been told by the government they were going to kill us if we didn't stop talking about certain things. Really? And uh, so, yeah. Which, we which were, things? <laughs> We were um, we were doing research on um, um, how can I say this? We uh, I had discovered that since we're a piece of stardust, yep. Uh, you know how they look at stars and they use spectrometry and they can tell you what the uh, star is made out of because all the elements burn at different uh, colors. Yep. And what they're not telling anybody is we're a piece of stardust. And we burn just like the stars do. We, mm -hmm. we use oxidation instead of uh, fission like the stars. Um, but we, we burn things. And if you take a human biometric, like a brainwave or a heartbeat or a voice sample, and you turn those frequencies into wavelengths and then compare them to the star chart, you can just see what's burning and what's not burning. 
So you can see there's too much sodium or not enough magnesium or whatever. And we were doing that research in uh, the Palisades Highlands at a place called Aha Spa back in, I guess it was like 91 or 92 or something like that. And uh, one of our clients was Billy Idol. And uh, he brought Lisa Gibbons with him one day, who was a big talk show host, to interview him there. And without me watching, she got in some of the back offices and started talking to the doctors back there that were working. And they were like, oh, no, we used to send our our uh, people to the hospital to do blood chemical analysis. But now we just send them over to Don and we get a better uh, view of the chemistry that's going on there. And boy, that. I think that was on a Thursday, and then that Monday morning, there was a knock on the door from somebody who claimed to be the the um, national security advisor for technology for Clinton, and they basically came in and told us they know all about that, and they, they're not going to let us talk about that. Was that a shock to you? Like, I'm just curious, like, were you at that point, did you realize how the government was withholding technology and controlling things? Oh, I've known that since the 60s. Got it. Yeah, well, I've known since the 60s what all is going on around the world with all these, uh, all of these, uh, what do you want to call them, the elites or whatever that are running everything. Don't get me started on all that. Did they give you a reason as to why you weren't allowed to move forward with your technology? Like They just told me that they already knew about it and uh, they were not going to let me do it. Whoa. Well, clearly it didn't stop you. I mean, well, no, we just changed. I just made everything to sound sound like it's crazy. So they just kind of write me off as a crazy person and leave me alone. There, I feel like (laughs) there's so much power in that and just like kind of coming off as unhinged and then we can kind of slip between the cracks. But you've been at the forefront of transformational technology since I met you 2008, 2009. Like, when did that become your path? It was my path from the beginning. I mean, it actually started for me in the 60s when I was a chemistry major in college. Mm-hmm. And it was um, right before or right during uh, when they made it illegal, when they made psychedelics illegal. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were just making it in the laboratory mm-hmm. and uh, doing it pure. And it was so wonderful. It was incredible. I loved it. I wanted to live there. But uh, it became Which psychedelics were you working with? All of them. We, okay. You know, and uh, I just loved them. I just wanted to live in that space all the time. I never, before they made it illegal and everybody started cutting it with strychnine and all kind of other things, I never saw anybody have a bad trip. Um, everything was really wonderful. And like I said, I wanted to live there, but it became obvious to me that you couldn't do it all day long every day. There's a compensatory lag time and it starts robbing you of some of your own ability to make certain neuropeptides and whatnot. So um, I, um, I devoted my life to coming up with a way to achieve that state without having to pop the pill. And that's basically how all of this got started. So now it's actually being called um, digital psychedelics. Uh, we call it technodelics instead of psychedelics. Uh-huh. And uh, it's just a way of accessing those states because basically what I discovered early on is that there's a pharmacy in here. Yep. And, uh, and we're the pharmacist. We can write a prescription to feel any way we want to feel. 
but most people won't do that. Most people will let some situation that they're in or somebody else close by write the prescription. Yeah. Once you realize you can write the prescription to feel any way you want to feel, it's that really allows you to start creating your own reality. Mm, I love that. It's so empowering. And I know yeah. you have multiple different machines and technologies and programs. And are they aimed at like a momentary experience or are they aimed at like long-term evolutionary support or is it all of the above? I I would guess you could say it's both. But for me, what I have learned about it all is, is that the greatest service that I could ever provide anyone, I believe, is to help them get into a state of mind where they have an epiphany or an aha moment uh, where their own higher self tells them something. And it's so much more impactful than another person or a therapist or something saying the same thing to you. Because if it comes out of nowhere and you're not really thinking about it, and all of a sudden it just pops in your brain, uh, most people will take that as something that came from a higher source. Yeah. So how did you engineer that? Are you like honing in on the part of the brain where epiphanies happen? uh, No, basically, uh, it comes from a discovery that I've made really early on about studying the sensory mechanisms. Mm -hmm. uh, I realized that um, the sensory mechanisms are the only connection that consciousness has to reality, whether there's the internal environment or the external environment. So any talk about a research into consciousness really basically has to start there with the sensory mechanisms. And is that like eyes, ears, nose? Yeah, right. Yeah, there's there's basically five senses, but we've identified up to 40 different senses that human beings have. And um, there's a part of the brain called the reticular activating system. That's a small group of bundle of nerves at the base of the brain that acts like a sensory... uh, like a um, a relay station for all the senses. So everything that you see, hear, taste, touch, smell goes through that little mechanism and it decides where that information is going to go in the brain. So it's, it's a really powerful, important part of the brain that's really responsible for our survival because in the old days, you had to look both ways when you walked out of your cave. I mean, it's kind of getting like that again, <laughs> really. <laughs> but uh uh that part of the brain can really hone you in on something like if you're at a uh if you're in your home you're busy doing something and all of a sudden you smell smoke then your attention will immediately go to that or if you're at a big party and you're talking to a bunch of people and all of a sudden somebody way on the other side of the room says your name your attention will go to that immediately or it works the opposite of that too if you move next to a railroad track after about three months you don't even notice that the train shaking your house every time it goes by right so it can really hone you in on something or rule all of those things out and, and when um, you're... So, the, so the important thing is is that it's kind of like captain kirk of the starship enterprise mm-hmm. And uh, his only function, his only job was to make sure that everything is safe and secure and to make sure that everything added up and fit the picture and makes sense. If it if it didn't, he would form a committee and send them down to the planet to figure it out. Or if there was a safety issue, the shields went up. Mm -hmm. But uh, 
where did everybody on the ship want to go when he was asleep or he was on vacation or he wasn't on the ship? Where did everybody wanted to go? They wanted to go to the holodeck mm -hmm. because in the holodeck, they, you could be anywhere and anytime you wanted to be. So that kind of became a goal for me is to create that holodeck. And in the middle of doing that, we actually created a lot of space, a lot of places. Like we made it one in Atlanta for the 96 Olympics called Mindwave where we married all of the neurotechnology to virtual reality. So mm -hmm. it would start out with your eyes open and you'd be swimming with dolphins under the water in 3D. And then all of a sudden you'd get pulled into, you'd be flying through space and get pulled into a black hole and then into the center of the black hole and the black hole would start flashing. And our voice, you remember Jamie, my wife's voice would come on and ask you to close your eyes. And when you did, the neurotechnology would take over with the entrainment and that sort of thing. So uh, we did that. Uh, we built a number of those places um, that would, was using virtual reality. But the problem with that was, was that about every six months you needed to change the content because people get tired of watching the same old thing. And in those days, it was like $50,000 a minute. For, to, to create real-time camera-operated 3Ds, like swimming under the water with dolphins and things like that. So it was just way too expensive. And then suddenly I, I realized that, wait a minute, all of that virtual reality came out of somebody's brain first. It was in their brain, and somehow they managed to get it out into video and audio and all of that. Uh, and so I had this epiphany that, since it was all in the brain anyway, let's just come up with a technology that turns the focus of attention inward and let a person have that experience themselves instead of showing them dolphins swimming or whatever, you just put them into that state to where they have, they go into the dream state, basically into a lucid dream state. And they have an experience that is far beyond anything that I could have created with a half a million dollars in virtual reality. Wow. So it to me is all about the experience and turning the focus of attention inside. And once you get them in there um, and you synchronize that part of the brain that's always looking for security and making sure things added up and make sense. Once you take care of that by putting them in a real uh, safe, warm environment, womb-like environment, and then you synchronize the senses. You let them see the same thing that they're hearing, the same thing that they're feeling. It takes away that part of the brain's job. It doesn't really have anything to do. So it gets out of the way. And the second that that happens, the person's consciousness immediately goes to higher states, feelings of peace and well-being and connectedness. And you're on the right track and you can trust your fate and take faith in the universe. And those kinds of things that those kind of things are hard to come by these days. And the only reason that people don't live there is because that little mechanism in their brain is telling them that things aren't safe or things aren't adding up and making sense. So if you you give it that through a process, we call it sensory resonance. Mm -hmm. I think other people now are calling it multisensory integration, which is just another word for sensory resonance. You give it that. And the person immediately goes to those higher states and has one of those epiphanies or aha moment where um, their own higher self tells them something that's so profound that they never forget it. And that's the only thing that I've really seen change anybody over time 
I mean, the, the experiences that we do and the virtual reality and all that are really cool in the beginning. We've never had anybody come off with anything, but wow, that's one of the coolest things I've ever experienced. But I, that's not enough for me anymore. I want them really walking out the door saying, I'll never be the same person again. Somehow that fundamentally changed me or let me know something about myself that uh, I need to transform. And then once you start looking at transformation, you find that it's a really wide range of uh, things from something as simple as a shift of mood all the way up to changes in health and finances and relationships and careers and all that. But all the way at the very top of that, the top of that list of transformation, there is a type of transformation that the ancient Greeks called a lasso, which is transformation from a physical material creature into a uh an eventuated spiritual essence in other words what you're going to be on the other side once you die and you get to the other side what you're going to be there that's the ultimate transformation for a human being and for me that's my goal right now is i want to help people learn how to transform themselves to who they're going to be at their next level because everything else is just a waste of time here on this planet that's the only reason that we're here is to learn that can we function in 3d reality from that state oh yeah there's people walking around all over the place that have already achieved that would you call that enlightenment yeah you could call it that mm -hmm. yeah, the, uh, the hebrews called it a zadik once you once you traverse all of those those uh, levels of transformation, you you become enlightened, or you become a zadik. And are you achieving this through this sensory resonance? Is that the key? Yes, yes. Yeah, that is one of the major keys: is to synchronize the senses to where that part of the brain gets out of the way. And you have to do it in a nice, safe, warm, womb-like environment where people can just really kind of let go and relax. And that that's when the spirit can step in and take over and run the show. I don't really want to run the show. I want their own spirit to be running the show. And when you say synchronizing the senses, is it like aligning the frequencies? Yeah, basically it's like... Uh, in the my sessions have two parts the first part is more like a sound bath mm -hmm. and uh if we haven't worked with the person before we would use something just like the schumann resonances or the earth resonances mm -hmm. but um if we have information on them if they do a voice analysis with us to where we can really see uh, specifically for them where all their energies lie then we can use those frequencies so they would see it through the pulsing lights, they would hear it through the sound, they would feel it in every cell of their body through the table, um, and that would achieve that sensory resonance thing by synchronizing all of their senses together with the single uh, single input signal. And then at some point it goes to music, mm -hmm. and the same thing happens to where you're seeing the music, you're hearing the music, and you're feeling the music in every cell of your body at the same time, and that part of the brain just gets out of the way. Hello, 
Earthlings, quick interruption to remind you to click that subscribe button, to like, to share, to comment. You have no idea how helpful your comments are for me in encouraging the algorithm to give me more reach as well. Click that bell so that you will be notified of my every next video. Okay, back to our regularly scheduled mind expanding awesomeness. And so is so by synchronizing the senses, we're getting that like kind of fearful survival brain to chill out a little bit. Are there other um, upsides to this type of synchronization? Like, does it lead people into extra sensory perception or superhero? Yeah, all kinds of things. Like I, I guess the ultimate goal for me has become um, the first step of learning how to do that lets you start being more aware of your environment that's going on around you a lot a lot of people aren't even aware of really what's going on around themselves but then there's a level higher than that to where you become aware of how you're being aware so um, i've noticed for example when i'm in a heated conversation with jamie my wife uh, i find myself right there engaged face to face with her in that conversation but now i've i've started realizing that or finding myself basically up here watching myself do that mm -hmm. and uh and then i learned in the real time you figure out that the next thing that comes out of my mouth is going to set up what she's going to say next and so you start watching what you say and that's probably the greatest um the greatest thing that could come out of all my work is just the realization of what you say sooner or later becomes true. Yeah. And you know it better than anybody because of your whole thing about words. Yeah. Right? Totally. And uh, so, uh, yeah, if it's something that you say once or twice and it just kind of comes and goes, it, it kind of goes away. But if it's a mantra that you say all the time, then it sets into motion a whole science of things. I don't really have time to share with you the whole science behind all of this, but when you start talking, there are these little things called um, real and imaginary automata mm -hmm. that exist on the other side to where reality originates from over there. And these real and imaginary components are basically the components that are coming from the player versus the parts that are coming from the instrument. Like, you know, when you, when Whoa. you, okay. So like, I mean, I'm taking hear, that in. <laughs> when you hear, when you hear somebody playing a guitar, for example, part yep. of what you're hearing is coming from the instrument. Yep. But part of it's coming from how it's being played. Right. And suddenly realize that the same thing is true of human beings right now. When you're hearing me talk, part of what you're hearing is coming from my instrument. Yep. my resonant cavities and my vocal cords and everything. But part of it's coming from how I'm thinking and feeling about what I'm talking about. So I could leave that part out and keep talking, but I sound like one of those guys in Battlestar Galactica who's really a computer and has no inflection in the voice. Or I can make my voice really passionate, but that's really coming from how I'm thinking and feeling about what I'm talking about. Right. Whenever you say something, it puts into motion these little automata. And they set out to make that come true. And if it's something, like I said, that you just said once or twice, it just kind of comes and goes and they, they go away. But if it's something that you say all the time, those things start coming together. And when they get over here on this side of the quantum veil, 
uh, they get turned into sine waves and cosine waves. And it makes those little strings that you've heard about in string theory. And yeah. those little string theories start weaving themselves together and make membranes. And all of a sudden, you've got a big issue going on over here. So if you solve the problem while it's over there, it's only the difference between the player and the instrument. But once it gets over here on this side, it's got all kind of physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual aspects to it. And you got to deal with all of that. I love that because it sounds like what you're talking about is witness consciousness, that kind yeah. of detached space. And in in my work and in meditation and in yoga and all these practices, there's, you know, they're the practices themselves or the precepts themselves. But it seems like the challenge is to be in witness consciousness, to be able to hear ourselves, see ourselves and be able to take that pause before saying whatever we say, thinking whatever we think, right. you know, whatever the action is so that it is in the highest. So it sounds like this um, sens sensory resonance, sensorium resonance is creating that space for people. Is that correct? Right. Exactly. That's exactly right. That's massive. Yeah, it's I think it's probably the most important thing a person can really learn uh, in their life is that uh, they have to watch what they say. Totally. Every, I mean, I say it all the time. Every word matters. And yeah. I, I saw in your web copy that um, it said uh, the separation and reintegration of real and imaginary in the temporal domain assists users in resolving the difference between the actual and potential components of a thought or stated intention. And I was right. like, oh, we're doing the exactly the same thing. <laughs> Except exactly. my technology is exactly right. language and yeah. yours is fancy yeah. technology. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those, those real and imaginary components are nothing more than that. It's actual and potential. Uh, everything that you see out there, everything that we know is uh, partly actualized. You see it, you can touch it, you can feel it, you can play with it or whatever but part of it's still hidden in potential. And it's that potential that still lies on the other side that we're really actually trying to get that to actualize over here on this side. Yeah. Are you seeing results from people using your technology that you had never imagined possible? Results that are, are taking us into another dimensional reality or another paradigm? Yeah, we basically see that all the time. Everybody has different kind of experiences with this. And uh, for some, like I said, it's, there's all kind of different levels of transformation there. Usually it's one of five things that a person wants to change in their life. It's either health, finances, a relationship, a career, or where they live. Mm -hmm. One of those five things, almost most people, if you ask them, what's the most important thing for you right now? It'll be one of those five things. Mm -hmm. And so we try to focus on that. We have this really unique voice analysis system that I created that um, allows us to really get a good look at a person's energy field. And uh, I discovered, we kind of pioneered all of this back when you and I first met, we were doing really uh, amazing uh, technology with brainwave analysis mm -hmm. and EEG and then uh, a friend of mine, Deborah Rosman, created uh, Heart Math. You've probably heard of that before. And so we started building all these real sophisticated heart rate variability monitors. And we did a lot of research on all of that. But over the years, I've proven to myself that you can get better information about who a person is and what they want from their voice. 
than you can from their brain or their heart. And if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense because that's the mechanism the universe gave us to say who we are and what we want. Your brain kind of shows how you're thinking about it. Your heart shows how you're feeling about it. But you can hardly change your mood without it showing up in your voice. Mm -hmm. So we've created, I've created a really sophisticated voice analysis system to where you can really get a good look at where all the energy lies in a person's voice. Mm -hmm. And then we can save that information in our analysis room and that puts it into the mainframe computer of that center that you that you took a look at and uh, it takes all the information to the other therapy rooms so we can use that information in the other rooms to create a program that has the right frequencies or the right music or whatever like that to help them balance that out mm, i love that i think there's also something magical in aspirating or uttering words because it's where like the material and the non-material meet you know our word the words coming out of my mouth right now are invisible and still they're measurable yeah you know so for me it's like kind of where the divine meets the mundane yeah it shows up everywhere it's not just in your voice it's in your iris it's in the way you hear uh you can feel it on your skin you feel it in your heart it basically shows up everywhere but i think the voice kind of collates all that together mm -hmm. and um brings everything that a person's experiencing together into one uh, mechanism and then when they say it they just it, it they just make it real yeah and so we just help people you know create their own mantras uh what they're going to say to themselves or think to themselves we but you know it's really important that they actually say it out loud because we have um i have proof now of what happens that that you can actually prove that a thought for example is purely imaginary it's not real at all you can have any thoughts that you want and it doesn't really cause anything to happen except maybe some internal turmoil or something but the minute you say it the minute you express it and that can be by word you could write it down there's a lot of different ways that you can express things, but the, once you express it, you've brought it into the real plane and the real world, and it makes it start humming true. Mm, I love that. I'm, uh, and you said you've scientifically proven that? Absolutely. Okay. I'm, I'm going to get that information from you after our chat because it's so helpful for my work. I remember back when I got to visit you in your space um that there was you had this like super close-up of a spider's eye and yeah. we went closer 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 and then it looked like a motherboard and it has me wondering about like what is the nature of our reality are we living in a simulation is this all an ai generated situation that we're living in i think you know you'll see more and more of that coming out now a lot of the scientists are now saying that it's all a simulation um and um <laughs> it's funny because a lot of people died over that that um those pictures that you saw so Wait, we all oh. we all stopped talking about it oh really were they like taken out yeah was it it was just like the government coming and knocking on your door like we don't want people to know this yeah I, I can't even talk about it really honestly oh wow i had no idea yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was a tricky thing that they did not like. So they they 
a lot of people disappeared and everybody stopped talking about it. You haven't heard anything else about that, right? In all these years. No, I haven't. <laughs> I, I, I'm shocked. Yeah. How do they, like, was there a moment when they started tracking you? Like, how are they, how I did you know. end up I've on just, I've radar? just tried to become so crazy that everybody just writes me off as a lunatic. Yeah, I get it. And, uh, I get it. and then I, you know, the few people that gather around close enough to me to really hear the whole story, I give them the whole story. But for the most part, I just, you know, I just kind of stay on the fringes of being uh, uh, a lunatic. <laughs> well, you're doing a fine job. <laughs> and I mean that in the best of ways. <laughs> well, there's a lot of talk right now in terms of like, cultures moving on to this like hyper accelerated technological train that they like to tell us we have no choice over. And then because of some of the things that have happened over the past couple of years, a lot of people are doubling down on organic and analog. And I know you're working with, you know, like top of the line technology. So what is your perspective on where we're at with technology and how it's influencing culture right now? Well, pretty much everything's moved to this digital world, yeah. which is uh, somewhat of a problem because um, basically what we're trying to do with all these kind of technologies, especially like the voice analysis and things like that, that I was telling you about in the brainwave stuff, they're basically trying to create a model of that person's reality, right? But the problem with digital is, is that it's an incomplete model. It has digital things have little spaces in between all of the samples. Yep. And so uh, it's it only approximates the real thing, whereas an analog model of the same thing, a perfect analog model of something is more or less the same thing as what you're modeling, which is really profound. You get to thinking about it. Right. However, um, analog is is too expensive and too complicated for uh, almost anybody to really use or understand uh, an analog computer. We had an analog computer. In fact, we've had one for a number of years that caught just the card in it was $300,000. And, um, and now that could not be repeated. It would cost millions of dollars to do something like that. So what we've done is we've really focused on how can we best um, make turn a digital signal into an analog signal? And basically what you have to do is fill in all those little holes. So you have to do a bunch of sophisticated analysis on the samples that you have and figure out what that sample is and what the next sample is gonna be. And then you can fill in the middle. And so you basically come up with a, uh, a more analog type of signal than you would from just digital alone. So that's where we've really been focusing on making all of our waveforms more natural. So mm -hmm. like if you looked at a waveform, uh, what they call a square wave, you can see it kind of comes across, it goes up, comes across, goes down, and goes to the right again and you have a bunch of those in a line. But if you really take a close look at that, those are abrupt changes where it just comes to a point and turns 90 degrees. If you look at a natural wave, a natural square wave, for example, from a, um, 
from a clarinet or something like that. It kind of comes across and it wiggles as it goes up and then it wiggles as it goes across and wiggles. So we've been able to create digital uh, technology that will actually do that. Like digital wiggles? Yeah, digital wiggles, yeah. It's interesting because as you're talking about the spaces between in the digital, what I, I've been honing in on um, with language and you know how it's used to control and manipulate culture is how fragmentation is one of one of the weapons that the social engineers use and and when we're fragmented there's more space to come in and manipulate us and how integration like is our best fortitude in terms of like integrating past traumas into integrating past hurts so that they're we're not vulnerable for that control um, and I know that integration is also a big part of your work. So I was hoping you could talk about integration fragmentation. Well, yeah, they, they're now calling my, you know, I came up with sensory resonance back in the late 80s, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, but now there other people are getting involved and they don't want to use that word anymore. So they've changed the word to multi-sensory integration, mm -hmm. basically the same thing. Um, but uh, it is all about being able to integrate all of those things into one experience. Uh, for me, though, it's really come down to it's all about the experience that we can talk about this until we're blue in the face and it doesn't mean anything. Right. And it basically just goes in one ear and comes out the other. People don't really remember in that any of that. But when they have that experience and their own higher self is telling them stuff, uh, they never forget that. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I'll, I've had people come in for a session and then I don't see them for a year. And all of a sudden I run into them somewhere and they grab me and they say, oh, my God, you changed my life. I left your office. I went home. Uh, I sold my house. I moved to another city. I took on this new job. It totally like changed my life. And uh, so for me, that's the important thing. Just one time will do it. I mean, it, sometimes it takes a number of times to get through all of the things that are blocking all of that. But sometimes it happens on the first time. I've had people jump up right in the middle of a session, like a scientist will suddenly get an equation or resolve an equation like out of nowhere and jump up right in the middle of a session and say, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I don't mean to be rude, but I, I got to get home. I, I got to write this down or I got to go sculpt something or I got to go paint something. Um, and then I might not see them for a long time. And then when I do see them, they'll tell me that one little moment changed their life forever. And wow. That's where I finally started realizing that that's my job is to really help them get into that moment where they have that experience. And that experience is everything. It, it goes so far beyond the words to describe it or anything like that. It's it's insane. Have there ever been people who were so blocked that you couldn't you couldn't help them get to that moment? I would say maybe less than one tenth of one percent mm -hmm. of people, um, if they're uh, if they're NLP, you know, NLP, yeah? yeah. If their NLP profile is like really messed up, and uh, they're like super super uh, visual, for example, like an artist. Uh, or a sculptor or something like that. Some of those people would get so visual that the lights bother them. They can't 
I can't deal with the lights. I would have thought when I first created this, I would have thought a visual person would love the lights. Totally. An auditory person would love the sound, but an, an overly auditory person will say, no, turn it down, turn it down, turn it down, because they're so sensitive. Or um, uh, a, a kinesthetic person will leap off of the table when the first ocean wave crashes on it and say, oh, that scared the heck out of me. It was like an earthquake or something. So people do become too sensitive NLP-wise to those three aspects, usually visual, kinesthetic, or auditory. Mm -hmm. And if they have a real issue with that, then uh, sometimes they'll have an issue with the session. But, but a lot of times, if you can talk them into um, realizing that some people, for example, love those lights. I would be playing a maybe a 10% for some person who has that problem. And they say, oh, that's too much light. But when they learn that there are other people that like them 10 times brighter than that, that means something right there, that, that here you are and you can hardly take any of those lights, but somebody else keeps saying, turn it up, turn it up. And when you realize that, you start starting to realize that, well, wait a minute, maybe some of the problem is mine. It's not the machine. It's my own issues with this. And so if they come back later and we start really low with the lights, just a little tiny bit of the lights, over time, they work back in that. And guess what? It's sooner or later, it becomes their favorite part of it because they've been so blocked to that their whole life. much for tuning in to this latest episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. I am reminding slash thanking you to and for <laughs> clicking that subscribe button for liking, for sharing, for commenting, and for leaving some kind words as a review as you are authentically inspired. As you are receiving any value from my podcast, as you dig it, as you listen regularly, consider supporting me on Patreon and or Locals, where for as little as $5 a month, you get access to all of my second half podcast interviews, as well as oodles of bonus content. Your support really goes a long way in supporting me as a journalist and an independent content creator navigate her way through a really crunchy time in terms of free speech. And as you are wanting to learn more about my work in the world, my books, my products, my quantum languaging, coaching, and consulting, you can find me at dannycats.com as well as quantumlanguaging.com. And if you're not down with a membership patronage platform and want to send me one-time donation, you can use the Bitcoin link if it actually appears on your podcast listening platform. You could also send me a one-time donation by way of PayPal at dannycats at pm.me or by way of Venmo where my username is Sadie Bloom. Again, your support means the world and makes a massive, massive difference when it comes to continuing to share this work with the world. Thank you for sharing your sacred attention with me. Thank you for remembering that you are omniscopic amazingness and for having a rockin' day. See you next time, superstars. <laughs>